Yo, 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 we live on location. Me and the blackest one here in Orlando. We local, man. Today we got the Atlanta Hawks legend top in town. Man. We got top 75 Hall all time. Hall of Fame. Scoring leader. Scoring leader. Play he got a lot of whole buckets. But listen, more importantly, he is known as the human highlight film. And 21. Picture that. Oh, AKA 21. 21. We got Neek, Antique Neek in the building. Oh. Dominique Wilkins, man. We appreciate you, OG. I appreciate it. I should have never told you that. <laughs> I like the Antique Neek. It's great. Oh, man. Hey, that's good. <laughs> First off, uh, like thank you, like you the the first twenty one. Twenty one. That's why you were twenty one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm part no, of that I knew you was all right, man. I knew you was all right. <laughs> you the first twenty one, the first of all us that we we looked up to, getting them buckets, dunking the way you dunking. So it's a definitely an honor and a privilege to yeah, have thank you, you on man. the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, it guys. Yeah, yeah. Paris, France. I yeah. never knew. Yeah. You were born in Paris, France. Yeah, my my dad was in the military. Like, I think my dad twenty six years army, and my sister and I was born there. We moved to the states. I think I was five or six when five, I finally okay. moved to the states. My actually, my sister spoke fluent French. Mm, nice. You know, at that time, but uh, and I used to go back. You know, once a year. You know, because I had a nanny actually who gave me the name Dominique. Oh, you know, okay. So, yeah, so and that's we, where it started. Moved, what was the first place you moved to? When Baltimore, you, Maryland. Baltimore. That's where I grew up at. Rough. Baltimore. Rough Beemore, city. okay. B-more. How long you stayed in B-more? Until I was 16. I left home when I was 16. Okay. Because Baltimore was rough, man. Uh-huh. And I saw a friend of mine, you know, die. Uh-huh. And I remember telling my mom, I said, I'm leaving. I can't live in this city anymore. Uh-huh. And I left home when I was 16, went to North Carolina, got discovered on the playground the next morning. And I remember this older guy, he said, hey, son, you live here? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. He said, well, where are you going when you leave here? I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So he looked at me. He said, come go with me. And I don't know why I followed him. So he took me to his home, and he showed me a kitchen. He showed me a bedroom. He said, you can have all this. You just have to play for my high school team. Mm-hmm. He was a high school coach. Mm-hmm. And that's how I started. We went 76-1 and one in three years in the state of North Carolina. When you picked up the ball, so you picked up the ball in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Who, who introduced you to it? Well, it was a playground legend in Baltimore um, when I was 12. And I don't know, I guess he saw something. I mean, he said, look, I want you to come to the boys club every day. Because it wasn't the boys and girls club. What was club, his name? Was, his name was Big Harold. Big Harold. That's, Big that's, Harold. that's all we knew him as Big Harold. Uh-huh. And I used to go to boys club every morning and work out with him. He's teaching me the game of basketball. He said, I'm going to teach you this game. He said, you're going to owe me. He said, but not like you think. He said, the only thing I want from you is to give to someone else what I'm about to give to you. So mm-hmm. he gave me the courage to leave home when I was 16. And so, man, the, you know, it's funny because the old guys used to make me play against the older kids yeah. for money. Mm-hmm. And like it was like $12, $15 a game. They would give me three and keep the rest. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, hold on, man. I'm doing the work. They said, young fella, we paying money. You just keep doing what you, you do. Keep doing what you do. Yeah. That's the way it was, man. But they taught, I owe a lot to all them guys who really taught me how to So he gave you the fundamentals of oh, left yeah. hand, right hand, spin move yeah. between the legs, yeah. dribble. And, and, and the crazy thing, I didn't see him for, had to be about 20 years. And I went back to Baltimore to redo some of the playground. 
And I see this guy in the audience, and it was him. It was him. Wow. And, man, we had an emotional moment, brought him out in the middle of the court, man, and that was one of the best things that ever happened. Yeah, I tell my mm -hmm. kids, man, it's, um, to accept the help when somebody really trying to help you along the way. It's so many people that helped me get mm -hmm. to where I'm in, helped me be me, that didn't want nothing from me. Yeah. They was just yeah. there every time. Different now. Yeah. Because, you know, Help is good yeah. if you're willing to receive it, but you got a lot of kids out here don't want to receive they that. They want to receive it. That's what so, I'm saying. So, you know, we're here to give back what yeah. we've learned, yeah. you know. and But as a young man or woman, you got to be willing to receive that, that yeah. gift because yeah. that's what it is. A gift that has one who wants to invest their time in you um, because that's what makes you better as a person and as a player. Definitely, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's changed a lot yeah. now. Had you, had you played – Ball before you left Baltimore, like you was. I see like you were going to uh, Dunbar. Were you already hooping? Actually, I was supposed to go to Dunbar. Uh, we played playground basketball. Right. I didn't play organized basketball to tenth grade. Mm. But on the <laughs> you playground, know? could but you tell that you was, was all right? Man, was you I knew. It, your I knew at twelve that I was gonna be pro. Yeah, I just, I just knew it. What was the hops like early? The hops was like, like yeah. When when, when did you start rail, banging like, on people? You, <laughs> like even on the playground. My first dunk was at 12 and a half, 13. Mm. And it was a 11 foot goal in the projects that nobody in the neighborhood could dunk. Yeah. And I was the first one to dunk on that goal. And it had chains on it, so you couldn't dunk it too hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, chains grab but, it. You had to have real bounce to yeah. yeah. dunk it without know, dunking. We used to get in trouble, you know. And so I was jumping back. I was jumping over cars, mm. <laughs> you know. To kind of get away from doing something stupid. Yeah. But I just knew I had jumping ability early in life. You know, because really my background was track and field. Yeah. You know, I ran a quarter mile high jump, triple jump. And I still hold my high school record to this day. Yeah, I was jumping fences like we was jumping fences back in the day. Them tall yeah. fences, we, we hurdle in them yeah. jump. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. But, you know, it was fun, you yeah. know. My dad was a very athletic guy, too. So we got it kind of honest, you know, my brothers and I. So it was like a family trait. Yeah. Know? So your whole family yeah. athletic. Yeah, well, everybody in my family could jump. Hey, All so the guys you, could jump. So you was just throwing curveballs? You weren't going to ask your iconic question? Yeah, yeah, I was just... <laughs> I was almost confused. No, I just wanted to... Oh, I'm, I'm just saying I was almost confused. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'm still into this. So you went to North Carolina, and when you went to North Carolina, you went to the high school that the mm -hmm. guy asked. You went to stay with him. Yeah. What was... That transition, like being in North Carolina, now you in the mm. South, because the South is totally mm. different than yeah, Baltimore yeah, city, and the yeah. East Coast and the city life. I, I was a city boy coming down with a bunch of country boys. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, uh, I always thought you was a country boy. Yeah, <laughs> everybody did, but, you know, I grew up in Baltimore, man, and, you know, it was hard for people to leave out of that environment. Yeah. But it was so much bad stuff going on, and I told my mom I was leaving, and she basically said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to go to North Carolina. Because I had family living in North Carolina, but yeah. I wasn't close really at that time. And you left the rest of your brothers and— They didn't catch back up with me till eight months later. Oh, okay. You know? mm. um, and I, I lived with my coach for about a year. But the craziest thing, the three of our starting five on that high school team was first cousin. Mm. It's crazy. So we went six, eight— Six, eight and a half, six, nine, six, 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 five. That was our starting lineup in high school. That's crazy. Y'all was big. Man, we was big. And man, when I first went to high school, I wasn't that best player on the team. There was a guy named Alvis Rogers who was six, eight and a half, six, nine. He was a brute, about 
240. Yeah. Athletic, you know, high hurdle, low hurdles. He yeah. was a hell of a basketball player. Good bucket. But, you know, you know, over the years, so I be, kind of became the better the yeah. best player on that team. But he the one you saw play. first. Man, I gave him much respect. But we won the championship. Actually, we, we won – I think uh, our first 27 games and we lost in the semis in the state. And I remember my coach said, hey, if we stick together for the next two years, we won't lose another game. Mm -hmm. And we looked at him like, what? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. but we ran off 56 in a row for two years after that. Ooh. Mm -hmm. So you graduated and you got announced to the when you heard, when you heard that you was like one of the elite in the country, mm -hmm. like your names are starting mm -hmm. to be in the because back in the day it's mm -hmm. the papers now, mm -hmm. like they have the list of the paper. Yeah. I think was it Street Smiths back yeah, then? Yeah, we had it then. Um, and uh, and the colleges started yeah, coming. Yeah, before. yeah, and I think it was the second annual McDonald's game. Mm -hmm. Oh, so you was in the first. The second. So I said because Magic was in the first. Okay. So I came out with James Worthy and Isaiah Thomas, Clark Kellogg, Sampson, Bootman. We got voted Ralph Sampson. Uh, a few years back as the greatest high school senior class ever. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, we had about six or seven Hall of Famers in that class. First round yeah. picks all over. Oh, man, it was crazy. Hall of Famers, yeah. yeah. When you when you seen your name as as – I know when I first seen my name on there as, as one of the elite of the, mm -hmm. the country, because you mm -hmm. hear about all these players around the country, mm -hmm. and sometimes you don't, back then, you didn't get a visual of them. No, and you didn't have all this social you media and you all that yeah, stuff. You, you didn't could, have you it, couldn't so see yeah, right. So that it was like a person in black and white, that mm -hmm. name is might be above yours. Mm -hmm. But how was that just to see your name, your family's mm -hmm. name, Wilkins, mm -hmm. on that list and to oh, be man, one of the that best. That was a great feeling, but at the same time, I wanted to know who was ranked ahead of me. <laughs> right. I need to play against this brother. Because, <laughs> you know, cause it was James Worthy, myself, and a guy named Derek Hoard. So we was known as the best small forwards in the nation at the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember James Worthy and I said, we want to play against this guy, Derek Hoard. We, we want to see what he's about, you yeah. know. And so we took turns of uh, – Getting Kinda, at him. Yes, sir. And he was, he was the higher pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that ranking changed very quickly, you mm -hmm. know. But that's that was our mentality. But just to see your name amongst the best in the country, man, that's an unbelievable feeling. Now you get hit with the McDonald's game. Like, you being in the second one, it didn't mean as much. Well, I ain't going to say it didn't mean as much. It was so much history when we came to it. Like, mm -hmm. I, I got in it in 2000. It was mm -hmm. You said yeah, it was the most you and everything. everybody else that's a Hall of Fame mm -hmm. man down the list make mm -hmm. this McDonald's game. Mm -hmm. It was like that was your credential to go go yeah. to the well, next. If you level. made the McDonald's game, you arrived. Yeah, basically, uh, because now you're selected one of the, the best in the country. Yeah, so you kind of write your own destiny. You know, but that second annual All Star game, man, I remember the starting five that we had, and it had on one end they had me. They had Bowie at 7'1". Mm. They had James Worthy at 6'10". They had Isaiah Thomas, Terry Teagle. And the other side, Ooh. they had Ralph Sampson at 7'4", that Clark Kellogg, uh, Cliff Levinson, Antoine Carr, Rod Foster. Antoine Carr. It, it's so Dude, many guys you can't even name. Yeah. And so you know what that all-star game was about. It was intense. How was, how was the game? Like, how was the, the back and forth of the game? It was close, and we ended up winning. And I remember they gave the MVP to Clark Kellogg. Uh -huh. And, you know, the gentleman that he is, you know, he said, look, you had a great game. You, you earned this more than I did. And he handed the trophy to me at the uh, McDonald's game. But it posed a good wow. Yeah, that was 
man, that was uh, a great moment. But it showed you what type of guy he was. Yeah, it's crazy because, like, I know when we went to the mm -hmm. McDonald's game, it was a whole weekend. It was a ceremony. It was a ring giving. It was all that. The second annual was was it like the same nah, way like that? It was, no, no, no. <laughs> it was more y'all just came <laughs> sure. for the game. Like, yeah. I'll see by the time we got there. We was see, getting like, I, I never heard yeah. nobody. You know, I mean, we got our rings and all that stuff, but it wasn't like a two, three day event. Okay. You know? I mean, of course, you come in a day early. Yeah. And get ready for the game. And so, y'all didn't have the practices and everything that we had. Because we practiced for like yeah, two days. Yeah, we practiced the first day we got there. Then okay. we played the game the next day. So, we didn't practice one day. But I remember going to the first, because I got there a little late. Mm -hmm. And James Worthy was always, and I'm watching, I come in, and James Worthy is working on. I'm like, I'm like, damn, that's James Worthy. <laughs> you know, because we never a lot seen, of these guys. You, never this seen your first time seeing right. him. Yeah. and he's like a grown man, full beard. I like, mm. I like, man, this dude in twelfth grade. <laughs> yeah, you know? but he was working. So I had getting. There, I had to make a statement because you know, you know, he was the household name there, right? So I remember they put me in practice and it hits the back of the rim, and I go up and I catch it. And I bring it across. I'm looking at the rim, and it got quiet. Five seconds later, it erupted. And they're like, oh, that's that skinny kid from Washington, North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of set the tone for me after that, you know. Yeah. Because, again, I had to show that, hey, I was one of the best in the state, yeah. too. So James Worthy and I, the only thing we ever regret, and we talk about it from time to time, we never really had the chance to play against one another in high school because he's from Gastonia, North Carolina. Yeah. And um, we often joke it, but you can still see the little tension yeah, you know, but it's just um because y'all were two respect. people in the state that everybody was, yeah. was talking about, yeah. and y'all you know, never got to meet. Man, he was a hell of a player, boy. So that's that's what like that's what deferred your decision not to go to North Carolina, no, not to try no, to stay no. in the state. It's a lot of stuff to go in to why <laughs> could it have been Carolina. anybody else but Georgia? Actually, I signed a letter of intent with North Carolina State. Oh, is he state? Yeah, I've been there with uh, Wittenberg and Lowen the year. Yeah, the second year they won the national championship. Yeah, they, and, yeah. Um, Georgia, you know, they came in and, and painted a wonderful picture. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> wear it up. <laughs> I'll hey, 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 hey. leave it at that. Hey. But it was, hey, look, these guys are getting their due now and what they are getting in college and stuff like that to support themselves. Yeah. I, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Sure. I think the NIL deals are. Uh, is a game changer. It should have been done a long time ago. ago. It was a lot of money that was just going and going and going. And um, we risked our careers and freedom for whatever we had to go through to get to where we needed to get to. Hey, man, they, a lot of money, college yeah. sports. And back then when you couldn't buy a kid a hamburger yeah, when you would get in trouble, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, so I'm for whatever these guys get, more yeah. power to them. Yeah. You know. How was it when you actually got to school after you commit and you go through the process and you get there? What was that like going from from high school to college? Man, it was it was it was it was nerve wracking really because in them days when you got recruited by everybody, you know, you I, I got recruited by over hundred some schools. Yeah, and so you had to narrow it down to like five. Five, yeah, you know, and that was a tough process because back then, if you were the great player in the state of North Carolina. You don't leave the ACC. Right. That's what I'm saying. It was almost like, like the how they get law. you. <laughs> I was the one of the first one to buck the system. Yeah. You know, and when I decided to go to Georgia, it's like all hell broke loose. They went from loving me to hating me. That's what I was going to ask. Like, you know, they gave me all F's on my transcript. They um, 
poured paint on my mom's car, and I had a cross burning in my yard. Mm. What? Yeah, yeah. That was that was a, that was a scary moment because I've seen this big light outside of my uh, living room window, and I go outside and see what it is. It's a cross. It's a cross. I got death threats. Death. I mean, mail. I mean, I had a box full of death threats. It was yeah. blasphemy for the yeah. top player, not yeah, the North government. Carolina man back then, man. I'm gonna tell you crazy because I got a. It was gonna arrest me. It put me in the police car. So they said I stole something out of this apartment store. Mm-hmm. At the time, I had three thousand dollars in my pocket. This tape, <laughs> this tape was like four bucks. Yeah, and I'm like really. And so they called the police. They taking me to the police station. And my uncle, who was a police uh, officer, he said, "You know what? I'm not going to take you to the police station. We're going to take you home. We're going to pack you. So we're getting you out of the state." Yeah. And so my whole family moved, and I didn't go back for thirty years. Mm. Damn. Yeah, I moved until, to Georgia until they put my statue. Up in Atlanta, moved to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Your your brothers and everybody, everybody. Man, that's why I love the state of Georgia and the University because they took care of my family. Yeah, you know, going through that tough time. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, you you're a great player in the state during them days. You don't leave the ACC. Let's talk about the buckets though. The twenty one and, and five or whatever you you was giving out. I was like the play because you know mm-hmm. like it's it's another level up. Yeah, you mm-hmm. don't see these guys and so forth on, but now you in college and everybody grown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I got to college, man, it was like, it was like I was already seen in my mind. I was already ready to play on elite level, so I kind of stood out the first day we started practice. At that time, Georgia has never been to an NCAA tournament since 1934, mm. and we went to a tournament the first year we got there. Yeah, it was five of us that came there together. Oh, okay. High school All Americans. Yeah, I was the first five five. Yeah, freshmen, yeah, huh? yeah. We, man, we had, <laughs> and we it was nothing but athletes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so it, we kind of set you know the tone. We were kind of standard bearers of what they ultimately became because they went to NCAA twenty more times after that. Yeah, you know. So and you know I got a lot of flack about you know you pass up North Carolina Duke you know North Carolina State Wake Forest to go to Georgia. Yeah. And I said, you know what? If you can play, they'll discover you in Alaska. It don't matter. And that was just my mentality. When you won player of the year, how did that feel for you and your family? It was great because it's been a long time since anybody at University of Georgia has ever gotten that award. Yeah. So that was special for me because the SEC at that time, man, they had some talent. Mm-hmm. You know, the LSUs, the Kentuckys, man, the Alabama, they had talent. Yeah. So to be recognized as one of the, the best power in the conference. In the yeah, conference. Yeah, yeah, man. Did Kentucky you, was a monster, man. At what point did you know, like, all right, I'm going to the NBA, like, as far as, like, when you were in college, like, as far as I'm scoring, I'm scoring, I know. I knew, it, I knew in high school. <laughs> so you go I, I, I just knew. I mean, in high school, I averaged 30 and 16 in mm. high school, you know. So I was like, if I can put up these kind of numbers here, I ain't got no problem going to the next level. Again, when that's your mentality and that's the way you think, man, you kind of, you stay ahead of the next guy. That was my, that's my, in my opinion, and because you prepared yourself yeah. to, to get to that level. So come, but funny thing, coming in the NBA, I was already prepared because I played with all the greatest players in the league in the summer league. Mm-hmm. You know, so we would league. travel around the country with Magic, Doctor J, Bird, all of us. So travel. you was already playing. Yeah. With them. So I'm already playing with them. So when the season started, I'm like, yeah, ain't no big deal. Yeah. Because you know? when you're playing with Magic and you're going to Doc and Bernard King, all them guys, 
Who else better in the league than them guys? Right. So tell us about some of them runs, some of them, some of them runs, like where they was at, what city they was Man, in. And, and we had teams was. in different cities. Like I had a team in Atlanta. Moses had a team in Houston. Then you had Magic's team. So we used to travel around. And when I'm saying them games, man, we going at it. And ain't no let you score, I score. <laughs> It was competing, man. It was competition. We trying to blow y'all out, oh, y'all come through here. And the gyms be packed, man. Mm -hmm. you know, we would go at the, like the AU Center, like over Clark and Spelman, and all the schools, and uh, we would have games over there. And then we would go to Houston, we would go to LA and places like Just that. Just play pickup yeah. ball. Play pick People ball. used to come and watch y'all play. Man, it was sold out. Mm, Every game. That's crazy. Every game. Man, wait, you look at all the great players you got playing in those games. You know, people wanted yeah, to see people it. wanted to see that. How was your process of declaring and saying, like, all right, I'm going to go to the league? And it wasn't David Stern yet, right? Uh, what did, yeah. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't right. David Stern. David Stern came maybe three, four years after so that. So how was y'all process? Did y'all get drafted at NASA? Was it, like, in a room? Or did you walk across the stage and shake oh, yeah. his hand? Yeah, we did it. We was, yeah. And uh, actually – I, I thought I was going to the Lakers, the number one pick. Oh, we know mm. this story. We know this <laughs> but story. They, but they, what, I was, what I was told was the cup check got hurt, so they wanted to go with the forward to play both forward. So they went with Worthy, and I knew if I didn't go one, I would go three. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, okay, <laughs> you couldn't have went wrong with any way you went yeah. as far as that The crazy thing pick, is we know? had – so we had big game James on. Uh, uh, this was about, what, about a month ago? Mm -hmm. And he was telling us the story. He was like – the thing that he was surprised that he was going to go there, but he was like, because uh, he said he was like, I mean, Dominique was a better player coming out. He was like, he was a better scorer. He he averaged more points, but he was like, he felt like the Lakers weren't supposed to get that pick. And so they didn't mm -hmm. want somebody as good as you. They mm -hmm. felt like you were too talented. They needed somebody who could Kareem like come in. Well, see, Jerry West wanted me. Jerry Buss wanted that was the That was the and, thing. And, but, and then, you know, I think of Maybe a week or so later, they tried to get us both. But Atlanta wasn't going for that. <laughs> and we're not making this trade. Bus yeah. was going for the gusto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine what that team would have been out That would have been <laughs> treating like. <laughs> imagine just throw it anywhere. It wouldn't have mattered, man. How was it when you uh, you was about to get drafted and uh, the team workouts? Did you have a we, workout we for a bunch work, of teams? We didn't do workouts. I do? Like you. But when you know, we came, third when I came, when I, we, we came in the league, <laughs> <laughs> it was no workouts. Yeah, Q. It was no workouts. You we didn't go in high top five. Ain't, we don't yeah. go through that shit. We, we didn't. We didn't do none of that. Yeah. We didn't do none of them workouts. They man. know who we is. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, twenty one. Like, and like you know, hey, <laughs> third pick. We we'll see you at the draft. Yeah, we know what it is. <laughs> you, know? you get pick number three, Utah. I'm a number three pick, Q. Just in case you didn't know. <laughs> this you is the part we. Utah. I don't. I don't know. We how had many a couple of number threes this, this season. No, the number three part is cold. But to Utah, I was clueless. To, I never knew that. Yeah, I, I never knew that. I thought it was always Atlanta. Just, so but, you put a Steve Francis well I before told, Steve I said, Francis. I said, but this, this is what they said to me when they drafted me. They said. Adrian Dantley gonna play small forward and you gonna play power forward. I said, Well, y'all might was trade me today. I'm not playing power forward. I'm 210. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not playing power yeah. forward. Y'all crazy. Boy, I said, Y'all might trade me today. I, I ain't coming. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and luckily for me, you know, Atlanta made that trade. And I think the biggest reason why, because I used to travel around with Magic, we should play all these games and they saw me up close and personal yeah. in all these games. They're like, Yeah, we need to make this trade. Atlanta. So, it was, magic had a lot to do with that. Man, Atlanta was, was perfect. 
for you. I'm telling you, I don't yeah. see you in no other way. But I didn't know that Utah actually drafted. I thought yeah. always Atlanta drafted. Yeah. So they traded that time, you know, two players in the million dollars, which that was, was the a worst ton trade back then. Two history. players in the yeah. million dollars. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's the worst, <laughs> that most lopsided trade yeah. in history. Like, I I had to read the names. No disrespect. I've John never Drew. heard those two but guys' you, names. You, you, you look who came the year after with Stockton and Malone. Yeah, came to Utah. Yeah, so they got yeah. that right up. Yeah, so you know they got good in a hurry. Yeah, you know, but man, that again, you just think about the guys you could have played with. Yeah, it's been crazy. When you first got to the league, who was the first person to bust your ass? Doctor J. Doc's just. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, so when I first played against Doc, man, I said, man, I grew up wanting to be Doc. like you. I'm in awe because that's yeah. a doctor, you know. Yeah. And he had like 30-something against me, man. I wasn't upset. That's the doc. The doc. That's the doc. I'm gonna get thirty on him. What he was doing? But you know, I had a good game against him. But I was, I was proud to be on the floor with the doc. But playing against the doc. After I got over the R, I was like, okay, now, okay. After that, every time you seen it, it was on. It was on. You know, man, we had great games against one another. But I have a lot of respect for Doc. But my first eight games, man, it's like I played against eight Hall of Famers. Back then, you had to guard each other. Yes, ain't you no did. ducking, ain't no hiding. Yeah, you know, because my friend got Larry at six ten, Bernard King. I got Larry Nance at six eleven. I got Doctor J. I Gosh. got Mark Aguirre, Ooh. Marcus Johnson. Hey, big draws, shot you know, down. Draws. I mean, and all these guys getting over twenty five. And they yeah. bucket gives us. Yeah, you T- know. T- tell yeah. me about tell me about the first time you played Bird, and how <laughs> how how that rivalry began. I mean, Bird's funny. He's funny. <laughs> so, you know, again, I mean, we're in the Boston Garden. I'm in awe because this, you know. The banner. This is, you know, mystique of the Boston Garden. And I remember the first, I mean, we was at the jump circle, and I go shake Larry Bird's hand. He put both hands behind his back, you know, like. I'm like, you know what, maybe he's just getting into the game, you know. I, <laughs> and I'm trying to give him the benefit down the first play of the game. I'm gone. He said, I don't know why they got you guarding me, Holmes. And he shoots <laughs> a three. And I wasn't mad he made the three. I thought, this son of a bitch just called me Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I was so mad. So I'm coming down the left side, and I go up in a fast break, and he comes out, and I'm pumping it behind my head, and, and he jumps. I said, I got him. Mm. Boom. <laughs> he's sitting down on the ground. I'm pointing like this. He said, hey, Rook. I'm like, what? He said, I like you. You got balls, but I'm still getting 40 on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> What, what yeah, was about thirty eight? So I had to pay my dues. It was you know what no big was deal. it? Because you played them over the years. Like what was it about Bird that was so special? Because these guys see Luca and they be like, man, he's man, not the fastest. He man, don't jump the man, highs. Man, listen, I hate when they compare people to Larry. Yeah, Larry was he was a phenomenon. I ain't never seen anybody like him. That not super athletic, but he beat you in so he's many so smart. ways. Yeah, so. I remember Kevin McHale got 56. I forget who it was. And Larry said, I'm going to break your record against Atlanta. Public. He said it publicly. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm shit. Like, shit. No, no, not against us. Yeah. Crazy. He had 60 the next night. Damn. And he was so hot, he was shooting threes with his left. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> And that was a game that everybody was just jumping off. Yeah, the our bench something. was celebrating, <laughs> you know. And they didn't even talk about forty something. I had they said he had sixty, bro. You know. <laughs> so I remember go back to Atlanta and said, "I'm gonna return the favor." And yeah. I, I tried to get sixty. I ended up with fifty four that game, but 
But um, he was something else, man. And he's he like, hey, 6'10". I mean, great passer, great rebounder, unbelievable score. And just just super smart basketball, but he had a heart of a he had a heart of a lion, man. Yeah. And so when I hear people compare it to, him, I, I laugh. I'm like, yeah, okay, you know. So from that one first jump ball where he went behind the back and said, "No five, y'all never ever shook up again never for the rest of your career." But we had the but the thing is that we had the utmost respect, the most for respect for you, you know, because he oftentimes you know say great things about me, and I and you don't know that he feel that way because we were competitors. Mm-hmm. We couldn't let each other yeah, but, and, but you know what? We never, after that one one moment, we never talked trash to each other. Mm. Never. He had, I mean, that's the respect we had now. Some guys, he would say, look, this next play, when we come out, I'm going to win the game on this spot, and I'm going to bust <laughs> you right in your face. <laughs> right? He come out, that spot, shoot, game Dang. over. Mm. Now you in the league now, and you you getting your feet wet, and you know I know you was playing all summer with Magic and everybody, mm-hmm. but uh, now this this team ball, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You on the team, you got other players, Kevin Willis and all these other guys that's on the OG on the team, Kevin yeah. You're and real. you uh you want to make your niche in this league, you want to make noise in the whole league mm-hmm. to know. All right, now when you play the Atlanta Hawks, now this me over here. Well, you couldn't be like that back then. Even though you know I was the leading scorer, but it was, it came organically in a flow, mm-hmm. you know. And I was always the one who wanted to finish the play. I didn't want to start the play, mm-hmm. you know. So we get the rebound. I'm hitting it to the guard. And I'm hitting the lane. And you feel it. And so you know, people look at me, they, you know, and they look at all the points. But I didn't dominate the ball at all, you know. Again, you want to get to them guards and let them make the decision, you know, how they run the offense, who they get it to. Because they knew if I got on the break, they, of course, they they trying to find me on the break. But I also let my teammates, you know, if, if they're having a great night, you let them have their night, mm-hmm. you know. I didn't care if I was leading score yeah. at, at all. Yeah. Um, but because of the way our team, our makeup of our team, if I didn't get – Thirty at night, it was hard for us to win in yeah. the East because we didn't. I never had another great player in their prime. I mean, you play in the East when you got two or three teams that got two or three Hall of Famers on them teams, mm-hmm. and where you going against one on our team. So every night, I had to bring it every yeah. night, especially in the Eastern Conference, especially in the East. Yeah, yeah East, scores East, after East, score East, after score. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I never feared anybody I've ever played them. Yeah, but there's one guy. That made me nervous when I played, and that was Bernard King. Yeah, because he getting forty, ain't nothing you can do about it. I used to say, I said, look, I know this guy gonna get forty. I said, so I'm gonna get forty. We just gonna call it a wash. Yeah. And I ain't killing myself trying to yeah, chase you can this X guy. Him out. Only way you can ask him <laughs> out is getting forty. With <laughs> try yeah, try yeah, to yeah. explain, because I obviously we know, but these young people do not know about Bernard no, King. It, how it, no, how it's, much? It, it, it's he didn't have a three point line at first when he first started getting bucket. Bro, he got 60, 60 back to back nights. Didn't shoot a, a single three. He averaged 50 <laughs> on the West Coast trip. That's crazy. And he had a bum knee. Yeah, he used to drag the knee. And my, my coach used to say, Mike Fatello said, Nick, when you play against Bernard, meet him at half court. I'm like, man, I ain't meeting him at half court. I found out very quickly what he meant. Because if you didn't meet him at half court, you were like this. He was gone. And you look up, they got 30, 35. And he was another guy, didn't shake your hand. He would look at you like he was looking through glass. And I used to turn around like, shit, I know I got to play tonight. <laughs> He's coming. But he was one of the most feared 
small forwards in the NBA. Yeah. No question about it. You ask Iceman, you ask English and Dantley about Bernard King. You ask Bird and, about, and Dr. J about Bernard King. He was for real, bro. Straight real. Physical, too. Physical. You know, and like I said, High art. we had to guard each other, man. Because I didn't want to guard the power forward. That's right. a, like you said before, that's another weight class. Another weight class, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I didn't want to guard a shooting guard because I didn't want to chase no mm-hmm. guy. So exactly. to guard your guy. How was mm-hmm. it when you first heard that you were making your first All-Star game? Man. How, did, was, how did you it feel? It's like I died when the heaven, you know, because that back then, you're talking about the honor and the privilege to make an All-Star team. You know, I think my second or third year, I'm after 27, and we winning, and I couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. Right. I got to beat out Dr. J, who's established. Bernard King, mm-hmm. who's established, Bird. Larry Bird, who established, <laughs> and Marcus Johnson, who established. Yeah. He ain't making it in front of them guys, man. Yeah. You know, because they picked All-Star games by position yeah. back then. So once I made my first one, I made nine straight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, you and your family yeah, was me, Once they let me in, I said, y'all ain't, say, ain't, ain't get me out now. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, I'm just done. I said, I don't care. I like this. Bring. Yeah, man, that was great. Man, to play with all those greats on one team, <laughs> unbelievable. All right, as you guys know, we've been giving away digital collectibles on each episode. The secret word for this episode is human highlight reel. All lowercase, no spaces. I want to talk about the dunk contest. Mm-hmm. When did you decide, like, yeah, I'm going to do this, I could win it, and, and like, when mm-hmm. did you feel like you became the dunk king? And did you take pride in that, knowing, yeah. like, the Dr. J was the guy from the ABA mm-hmm. and all of those things? Like, how was that for you the first time? Well, you- well the first time it was... I even looked at the dunk contest. It was Dr. J and David Thompson, mm. Iceman and all them Legendary. guys. And so, you know, you want to try to follow in their footsteps. So the first time I got in the dunk contest, I was in awe because Doc, I'm going against Dr. J. Right. And so I really didn't do that well because, mm-hmm. again, I'm it's Dr. J. You know, I'm still a fan. But my, that second contest that next year, I was like, I'm not going to participate. I'm going to win. Mm. And all, so I, I won that first one. That next year, I think it was in Indiana. We enjoyed doing it for the fans. It wasn't about us. It was about the fans. Doing mm-hmm. it for the fans. And the only way you measure your greatness is you play against and compete against the greatest. In my opinion. And so, being in the dunk contest, you had the greatest athletes in the league going at it. And so for me, I'm like, I want to be a part of that. You mm-hmm. know? T- tell me the difference, like, or, or if you see it was, is it cause like what we grew up on, like what you talking about? Mm-hmm. It was the best of the best. Mm-hmm. You, Michael, mm-hmm. like you said, Dr. J, David Thompson, it was the, it wasn't just like the best dunkers. It was like y'all was the superstars mm-hmm. in the league too. Mm-hmm. Like what do you, what do you see that's different that our superstars now don't really want to participate in it. And, like, they got the skills and the balance and the hops to yeah. do it. Like, what do you see as the difference? Because that was always, like, a staple. The superstars yeah. Yeah. made the all-star events and participated in them. You know what? For us, like again, it was about the fans. It wasn't about us. But I don't know if guys really want to know who the best is. That's why they don't do it. Or maybe they got so many different things going on, you know, in their lives, you know, in the All Star Weekends, because it's so much, so much yes. bigger than it was when we were playing. But we wanted to know who the best was. When I competed against Mike, we wanted to know who the best was. Period. You know, so we went toe to toe, and the fact that they talk about our slam dunk contest thirty some years later, let you know, it's 
greatest dog contest world. ever, yeah. and it was special. And we we were mad if we didn't win. Yeah, we were. You know, look, we had mad respect for one another, but we wanted to win. Period. But when I look back, it doesn't really matter who won, because the fans got their money's worth. But that's why I still you know? talked about thirty years later because mm-hmm. y'all two was two titans, and mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. It wasn't like and it was willing some to compete. unknowns. Like, not to say that it's no disrespect to anybody mm-hmm. that's competing in these dunk contests. Because mm-hmm. the dudes, I got super respect. These Brilliant. dudes yeah. are coming up with stuff that we couldn't even think yeah. of. But like mm-hmm. the thing that makes that last, in my opinion, it makes it last thirty years is like you was Dominique Wilkins, and that's Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. That was Dr. J. That yeah. was David Thompson. And those yeah. names are mm-hmm. got that type of significance yeah. within the league, not yeah. just in the dunking sense, yeah. like they are superstars. Right. But you know, I give a guy like uh, Aaron Gordon a lot of credit, respect, because he's a guy who got more 50s than anybody in the history of dunk contests and still hasn't won. Listen. I haven't figured that out. That was crazy. Out. We listen, uh-huh. AG no. was local here. We, we know AG, and that still was like crazy that he didn't win. He still gets all type of fame and popularity probably more than anybody who didn't win because everybody know he should have won. Yeah. A couple times. That's yeah. crazy. It times. was like, but, and I was there yeah. in Toronto. I wasn't there. In, like that was literally I've never seen. But him and Zach Levine, they were going. I was like, okay, what are they gonna do? Like they've done everything. You know what they what they did is at that time they brought the dunk contest back in a major yes, in way, a man. Huge I way. mean, I was glued. I didn't make that All Star game. It was too cold in Toronto. Yeah, it was freezing. <laughs> freezing. It was freezing. And, but man, I was glued to the TV. I like these dudes are putting on a show. Yeah, listen, you know? I was in awe. The whole mm. arena going crazy. Yeah. Like the peers, the players, everybody was responding. I was like, yeah, they yeah, put they on did, a damn they, they show. Did, they did their thing. Me did the thing. I, I, that was that was fun to watch. That yeah. was fun to watch. I want to ask about the back-to-back dunk contest with MJ, because like we said, it was one of the most legendary. But I want to talk about like you won the first one, then you come back. Like how was it going into each of them? Like knowing that y'all the two top dogs, y'all supposed to be meeting in the final. Like how was the you know the talk? How did you feel just going into them? We didn't talk about. It. Mm. Not one thing. Not one time. We didn't say anything. We never even worked on the dunks before the dunk contest. Neither one of us. It was dunks we were doing in games, so we didn't have to practice. <laughs> you know? And so it's like, and I know Mike didn't practice those dunks. And, but we didn't talk much, you know. And even during the contest, we uh, showed each other respect, shook his hand after a great dunk, but we didn't talk. And even the wins and, and lost dunk contest, never talked about it. Not once. Last year was the first time that uh, Michael, I saw him and his wife at a hotel and at the All-Star game. And I'm walking over to say hello to him and his wife. And as I get to the table, he said, yeah, Nick, yeah, you won the dunk contest. <laughs> oh, he finally admitted. And I said, well, how you doing, Mike? <laughs> how you doing? And, I, you know, because we, we, we joke about it. And I said, well, you know, let me let me get that check then that they gave you. For you know, <laughs> we can call it even. He ain't never paid me. But, <laughs> but you know, Mike and I, man, we have so much respect for it. You know, because the two North Carolina guys, mm-hmm. you know, that competed on the highest level. And for us, it was just a pleasure going against one another. And uh, But we never talked about it. Never talked about the dunk contest. Mm. That was, it was kind of an unspoken thing between us, you know. But we knew what we brought, you know, to that contest. And like I said, the dunks, we never worked on it. Now, now let me ask you this, because I know I saw something on TV, but when Spud replaced you in the dunk contest 
and he went out there and won. Did, did you know that he had all of that in his bag? Or did you know he had He a, held back a couple things that I didn't know. Right. So you <laughs> um, like, I, I thought I saw that you didn't know I that told he him, could I do said, all man, of that. I said, man, you lied, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said, some of that stuff I ain't know you could do. Because I'm looking yeah. at your reactions when it was happening. Yeah. It was looking like you didn't know. You nah. you was kind of like. And then, then he's from Dallas, too. So the fans got behind him. And you know, I'm like, oh, hell, I'm in trouble. And he was making <laughs> no. every dunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for a guy that little to make. Now, for a big guy, they be routine. Yeah. Because yeah. I know y'all barely see He don't dunk like that in practice all the time and all that stuff. So Bud rarely ever dunked in practice. <laughs> I don't remember him. Did y'all ever see him work on the dunks before? No, that's why I'm no. saying. So like, y'all was wondering, that, like, why you in the dunk contest? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. How does that, like, how? But I knew he could fly. You yeah, knew he had that. But to do something, all his dunks was timing. Mm -hmm. And he hit the mark every single time. Even though all my dunks was timing, too. And I, you know, I made you every dunk. power, strength. <laughs> like, but then I could have ripped the backboard out. Yeah. I wasn't going to win that, that little man yeah. was running away yeah. with the momentum. Well, the, the fans really got behind him. And his dunks was really, really great dunks. And could have went either way. Yeah. I probably won four, but I got credit for two. But that's a, but it's all good. <laughs> but for him, I was happy for him. Because yeah. Spud and I. Uh, best friends. Yeah. And for him, when he won, I was happy for him. I really I wasn't upset. Mm. You know, I said, you know, we keeping it in the family. Yeah. You know, so it was great for him, and I was happy to see him win. Can you tell us about the playoff series y'all had against Boston all the way leading up to that game seven where you and Bird was back-to-back -back buckets at basically you know the whole what? game? We, we, we won game five in Boston, and we was not supposed to win that game, you know, the critics say. So... We knew going to game six, I said, man, we could advance and we can beat these guys. And we blew our opportunity. And at the end of the game, we drew up a play and it was it turned into a broken play. And Cliff Livingston went to the basket with left hand running hook. I was mad because the play was supposed to come to me. And I'm like, what do you don't break the play, what bro? Are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and so we ended up losing that game. And after the game six, uh, Barrett made a prediction. He said, Atlanta blew their opportunity. I'm guaranteeing a win. Mm -hmm. in Boston, and we had to look at that, right? Big headlines. So I remember we get to Boston, and we walk out of the locker room, and I stop. I said, we're going to win this bleep bleep game. I said, <laughs> if you ain't ready to fight, you ain't ready to go to war, don't come out here. I said, whoever guarding me tonight going to have a long night. Unfortunately, Bird was saying the same thing in the other locker room <laughs> to, to his teammates. So it set up for one of the greatest shootouts ever in the, in the seventh game. And I remember – he only had 12 points going to fourth quarter. And Kevin, it was, so it was Kevin Willis, it was me and Larry. We run down the court and Kevin reached across me, put his hands and Bird said, don't let this so-and-so score anymore now. I'm like, what you doing? Woke that monster You don't up. wake up a sleeping giant. <laughs> and his eyes got that big, man. I remember they took me out for a blow and Kevin and uh, Cliff Livingston came in the game and he got hot. And the coach said, Nick, go out there, stop him. I'm like, stop him? He hot now. He forget that. <laughs> yeah. So the only thing I can do is try to match him bucket for bucket. bucket, for bucket. And it was a shootout in the fourth quarter. It came down to the last shot. And it was a smart play by Danny Ainge because he tackled me at half court in <laughs> fear that I would hit a three from half court to mm -hmm. win the game. Mm -hmm. You know. Bird had 20, I think 20, 22 going into that quarter. Mm-hmm. I actually had 20, 20, 22 in that quarter. But like I said, I think he ended up with 34 mm. for the game. Mm. Yeah. 
for all of these 30s, like, man, I've seen a lot of 30-point seasons and stuff like that. You want you was the run-up yeah. for MVP, I yeah. think, in 86. Like, yeah. do you feel like one of those years you should have got one? And I, I, looking at the years, it was crazy good players that year. But like, I, you, I, like I led the league score one? one year, and I think I averaged 30.7 that year. But I chased Michael Jordan. I can't run up to him for six <laughs> I finally, I was like, man, I ain't trying to chase this dude no more because he would get me by a point, tenth of a point, you know, and stuff like that every year, man. And I finally, I said, you know what? I'm just going to just do my thing and not worry about what Michael was doing over there. But it was just a fun, you know, race that he and I had for a long time. You know, I had someone told me not too long ago that he and I, our careers against one another, we averaged 30 points a game against one another. How, career. how was that having that parallel like you know y'all two was a lot of people's favorite players like mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like especially in that time period when yeah, y'all right. going at each other in the dunk contest yeah, running up Jordan, back and forth yeah, yeah. But, but you know Jordan was a giant back then and even bigger now you know <laughs> he was a giant man but he was he was fun to play against and we had friendly rivalries but we were trying to go at each other's throat you know and um with Mike, if you lost a game against him, you can still hold your head up high knowing you gave everything because they had a great team. And mm-hmm. uh, and he was the, the engine that made them run. But he was – you'll never see another guy. like. And I think the closest thing to him was Kobe. Mm-hmm. I, listen, see, what I say all the time. <laughs> I swear, like, I, listen, that's how I feel. People can say what they want to say. In my book, my opinion, is Mike and then it's Kobe. And then they say all of the other stuff, but yeah. like I feel like I feel Kobe. like Kobe gets slighted when they yeah. get to talking about well, all people this. People who played against Kobe, thank you. They know, thank they you, know. They thank know. you. Like they that's know. what I say. Like I feel like I, I sit here. I don't, to me, I don't get into debates no more because it's useless. Everybody got well, an opinion and a voice and this, that, and third. But I, anytime somebody trying go crazy with me, I throw my trump card on the table. I say, well, look, I didn't guard both of them, and I didn't score it on both of them, and. the Whoever else you bring into the conversation, I did that with them too. So I got a bigger opinion than you. Yeah. Well, see, if you haven't played against either one of them guys, you don't realize how good they really were. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's easy for people, especially, you know, when you have different social media feeds, when they, you know, get with these comparisons, who's the goat, who's the greatest, who's not. I don't buy into all that. But if when you play <laughs> against guys like that and you know firsthand what they bring to the table, both of them was lethal. Yeah. And they – didn't care anything about you when they got on that floor. Mm. They were trying to they were trying to cut your throat. Yeah. You know. And it was the same way. Yeah. You know. A lot of people don't you have know? that type of mindset. And that's why I had man, man, look, man, I ain't trying to play with you. I'm trying to bust your ass. Straight that, up. that was <laughs> every night yeah. time I see you. Yeah. <laughs> and that was our our mentality, man. But those two, and that's fine for me. And Michael said it best. I can't say I'm the greatest. Because I didn't play against Will. I didn't play against Russell. I didn't mm-hmm. play against Oscar. Yeah. You know, he said, y'all say I'm the great, yeah. you know. And he said, and that's cool, but those guys, you know, that's what we flow out of mm-hmm. It's those guys. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, man, you, you, them guys don't get the props. And these guys won championships after championship. Yeah, after, championship. Like Dr. J. How often do people talk about Dr. J? Man, I don't give it to them. And like y'all understand who this guy was? Kareem, yeah. He he every favorite player's favorite mm-hmm. player though. Yeah. <laughs> he talk about the doc. But you know, a, a lot of times you know when you got people who see the game, enjoy the game, they're fans of the game, but don't know the game. Yeah, a casual. And that's fan. what you have. Yeah, a casual that's what you fan. have. You know, you look at the fans back when play. 
the average fan knew the game. They knew the game. Yeah. You know, I had an analytic guy tell me, he said, a made two is not as good as a missed three. I'm like, huh? I don't even make. I'm like, fuck. How much sense that made? Like, what? (laughs) Come on, man. So a made possession where we put points on the board, that's still not a good shot (laughs) opposed to a guy who just missed three. What? I'm like, man. Like, man, get out of my face. That man. is the level I, I, I of ignorance even, that resides in some yeah. of these front offices. That's the analytics. Not all, not every, <laughs> but that is man. the type of common sense that you have to encounter, bro. Like, you just said, what? Like, a bucket. I, I, I just, I walk, I, sometimes. It's not as good as a, a nun bucket? In what rim? I don't care what you're yeah, trying to say. It, what you, yeah. I scored. I said you that, didn't score. I said, that when they make a comment like this, they say, oh, you even qualified <laughs> to talk basketball to me. You know. That's real. Man. That's real stuff. I want to ask you about just the city of Atlanta. Okay. You know, uh, a lot of NBA teams in cities, but none of them is like a city of Atlanta. A city of Atlanta is more Man. of a. It, it feel like that's the black the, the, city. The, the, the city of Atlanta was our six man. Yeah. Because the opposing teams come there, Atlanta have a way of reeling you in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So but it just, gave us a little advantage. Yeah, just right. being from, you know, just, just yeah, being yeah. in a, in Atlanta. Because yeah. like I say, it's not like. Every other city, it's it's more more black. You see more rich black people. You you see a different dynamic when mm-hmm. you go into every well, other. Well, Atlanta has a lot of history. You know, that's the backyard of Martin Luther King. Yeah, you know, that's where it starts with him, and he just helped pave the way for black excellence mm-hmm. in the state and the city of Atlanta. Um, I used to spend time with his sons, Dexter King and Marty King, back in the day, and I learned so much. Mm-hmm. You know, just from being around those guys, Julian Bonds and, you know, um, Maynard Jackson and Andrew Young, they made the city what it is mm-hmm. today. You know, like I talk about bringing black excellent opportunity, jobs, mm-hmm. and equality to that city. Mm-hmm. It's a city that is one in a million. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And there's no city like it. Yeah. No, you know, no that's why I like never it. left, man. When I came back, I never uh, left. For you seeing it from when you first claimed to seeing it now, they call it like the Black Hollywood now. You see how it's more buildings, a lot more everything. The city is getting better. Mm-hmm. A lot more people are moving yeah. to it. Well, it is Black Hollywood. You uh, see all the productions yeah. that's going on and all the yeah. movies that's yeah, been shot in Atlanta. Atlanta. Just to see yeah. where the, the, the city then changed. Because this is, like I say, out of all the cities that NBA teams are on, this is considered the Black city. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, that, it's a, you know, a city of opportunity. Yeah. You know, uh, for people of color. The reason why it's so special for me is that when I was going through that tough time coming out of high school, That's they embraced mean. me. They made me kind of their native son yeah. in Atlanta. And um, the state of Georgia took care of me. Yeah. And so... That's why I've never left. Straight up. You know? with, with that being said, how much pride do you take in being like, you know how certain cities, they have like people that when you come to this city, they're like kind of like unofficial governors or whatever, a mayor, you like a mayor of Atlanta, like you wanted to fix it, you know, yeah, people I'm unofficial think about, though. That, that's what I'm saying. I, I mean, unofficially, <laughs> but, like, yeah, yeah. but like when you, you know, you're you know one of them people that when, yeah. when they think about Atlanta, you synonymous with, especially if we come, like when you think of basketball, you got a statue, like playing the host, you synonymous with a team, like how much pride you, like, and then you say like you learned from Martin Luther King's, you know, his kids, you've had businesses there, you've mm-hmm. done things, you put back in the community, like how much mm-hmm. pride do you take in that? Oh man, a lot of pride. 
lot. And the city has, again, just embraced me in so many different ways. And it's because of the city that statue is sitting out front there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's because of the city that street is, is renamed. So um, the things that the city has done for me in the organization and still being a part of the organization now for all these years, not a lot of guys can say that, that they've yeah. stayed in one organization their whole professional life. So for me, man, it's it's like being home. That's what I, because I never really had a home growing up. Mm-hmm. I moved all these Move different places. Mm-hmm. And Atlanta was really my first home. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm still there. Tell me this, right? In 91, 92, you tear your Achilles. Mm-hmm. But you already averaging like 28. Mm-hmm. You get, the day after you do it, you get announced as the, you know, all-star. Mm-hmm. But then you come back, you known as like you like the standard. Mm-hmm. Every time somebody do something, like you was the first mm-hmm. one to come back from an Achilles injury mm-hmm. and like come back NBA player of the year averaging thirty, still looking mm-hmm. like how you like what was your approach? Like how did you mm-hmm. feel when it happened? Were you was uh, it told like this about to be the end of your career? And like cause like well, I was told. Then, many that's times. what I'm saying. Cause I know yeah. back then that was like catastrophic. So yeah. that's why like you like the standard for like even back then, it was unheard of somebody coming back the way you know, You know, when it happened, you know, I felt like someone hit me with a baseball bat. I wasn't even really, I was trotting down the court. So I remember they're taking me in the hospital in, in the ambulance. And <clears throat> as I'm going to the hospital, I asked them, bring me back. So they brought me back, and I came back in, set up because I thought it was something I could still do to help the team win. And I, to this day, I can't tell you why I did. But when... I tore it. I heard all the critics say, oh, he's probably done it at that age. And if yeah. you come back and be like a has-been. And, you know, I heard all the negative. I've had all them articles on my gym wall. And I remember the doctor that did my surgery came out of retirement to do my surgery mm. at the Houston Clinic. And he said, you're going to come back. You're going to be better than ever. And I would say that to people. I'll be back, and they'll give me that sarcastic pat on the back. Yeah, good, good luck. Right. But I work, <laughs> I work twice a day, every day for nine months. I was determined not just to come back to be better than I was before I left. Before you left. And I remember the first time I was able to compete, and I remember hit the floor. It was training camp. I hit the floor really hard, and the first thing I did was grab my ankle, but I ain't had no pain. And I said, you know what? If the thing going to pop, it's going to pop on my terms. I'm going all out. And I remember my first game a couple weeks later was against the New York Knicks. And I dropped 30 on them. I said, I'm first back. I said, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. You know. How and, good did that feel, though? Oh, man. That like, felt not, like, after you know, you got to hit all those benchmarks to get clear for this, clear for that, yeah. that first game. And then you hit 30. Like, yeah. what was that? And you averaged like, 29 for the season. Yeah. At, yeah. I mean, at 20, I, at that scene, I averaged 29.9. Right at 30. Yeah. Right at 30 for a whole season. <laughs> Off you of know. Achilles. That yeah. is insane. So, what I learned is how to play the game on the ground as well as in the air it became mm-hmm. even more fundamentally sound mm-hmm. and I, I tell people all the time it says it's very difficult to score over 26,000 points on dogs right, yeah. I was creative school I a lot of things the guys do today for at the mid-range get to the basket and I shot three I did all that all that. I was tell, doing that back then tell you know? me about that because like you came in as a pure athlete mm-hmm. everybody was you know your first couple of years you didn't shoot mm-hmm. many jump shots threes mm-hmm. at all like mm-hmm. how did you like you just took notes like okay this is what people well, are saying I need to improve on here my, and there. my first two years I had to go through a pay respect thing because of the vets I had you know mm-hmm. I could do all those things but the vets you know 
they were the guys who they were the guys. They were the, they controlled they, the game. They, yeah, they were the guys. And so they like you said, they controlled the game until they gave me their blessing and gave me my respect to do me. And I went from seventeen to twenty seven. Right. What I did, and how I got a, a well-rounded game is well, I took a tape of a great player, mm-hmm. and I took one or two things that he did great, mm-hmm. and I practiced it over and over and Worked over again. Yeah. I did that for my first four years. So basically, I was trying to do is build an arsenal mm-hmm. where one guy wasn't going to be able to guard me. I didn't, I didn't give a damn. The more weapons was. you got, the more you deadly know? you are. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care. I care who you are. What kind of defense player you gonna need help? You know, <laughs> and and so I worked on those things, man, and. Scoring was easy. You know, mid-range, man, I, I was a mid-range nightmare for a lot of guys. Man, That's why I made my living in mid-range off the post. You were actually a jump shooter for real. Yeah, like, not, like yeah. you jumped. You know, and, you know, I had a game where I scored 57 in three and a half quarters. I had eight minutes to go in the game, you know. <laughs> and if you look at that game, I had maybe three, four dunks in that game. Mm-hmm. But I got them every way possible, you know, finger rolls, in the lane, on the post, getting to the free throw line, mid-range. Yeah, he was a hell of a post player. Yeah. You know, us real mm-hmm. ballers know. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't just dunks. That, that, that was, that's, that's the icing on and, the cake. And, and, it was and that era, <laughs> them big guys ain't just let you walk down the lane. And it's seven-footers. Exactly. The, mm-hmm. In that era, power forwards was like seven They was drawing two. blood yeah. in the they lane. They were 6'11". They were 6'11". You foot. couldn't just go down there and just be dunking regularly in the lane. Hey, I got hit. I got hit by Daryl Dawkins one mm. time. I dunked on him, play before, and I'm, yeah, yeah, you know, talking trash, right? Next play, almost identical play, I go up, and he put his elbow in the middle of my chest. He slammed me to the floor and stand over me, and I'm hot, and I'm mad. But I just laid there, you know, until he you know, felt like he wanted Tried to move. To you know? <laughs> and then, he, and then he, he went like this, don't ever try that shit again. Now get up and shoot two <laughs> free throws. <laughs> You know what I did? I got up, brushed myself off, Shoot and shot free my free throw. throw. Yeah. I mean, you gonna try? He 290 pounds. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to fight him. What I'm going to do? Nah. Yeah. How, how was it for you to, in 94, go to the Clippers? You had 11 and a half years. Yeah. And then even before that, in high school, going yeah. to Georgia, you know what I'm saying? You've been in, you've been you in came, Georgia You forever. just come off a of combat. You feel like you've proven yourself to be yeah. back where you are, and then Atlanta lets and you to be go. Well, first of all, though, first of all be... it was about money. It wasn't about my talent, you know. Mm. They promised me at that time, you know, a lot of money. And so the way they reneged on it is to trade me. And I like I felt like I went from the penthouse to the outhouse. You know? Yeah, Clippers. Yeah, man. And when the Clippers and, and anybody know anything but the Clippers under Sterling, it yeah. was an interesting we, we, organization. We got, we, we, we got drafted oh, there. We, my career hey. was under Sterling. Hey, man, Both we of had our practice career. one day at UCLA, one practice at USC, one practice at YMCA. I'm like, what oh, in the see, world is going you on? Said outside of the YMCA, I, depending on what YMCA you was at, y'all was better than us. We was at Southwest Junior College in South Central LA. That was where we practiced <laughs> at for our first two years every day. It was a college JUCO hey, college man, campus. You know, I knew I was in trouble as one of my Elmo Spencer. You remember Elmo Spencer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a van. And he drove to practice one day in reverse because his transmission was messed up. Hold on, man. Hold on, man. This man drove a car backwards to the way. It was in reverse. You know, I like, I like, I like, man. I'm in trouble. <laughs> so this is this was crazy. So when I get traded there, Come on, man. you know, I'm, I'm I'm mad. I'm I'm traded. So I'm in a locker room, and a ball boy had a pair of clipper shorts on, and he had a long T-shirt on. And I said, hey, ball boy, go get me some socks. He said, man, ain't no ball boy. I play on this team. I'm like, oops. 
What? It was Randy Woods. <laughs> oh. But like like the Hawks oh, was the Hawks was, was number one team. <laughs> they were the number one team and they traded you. You made the All-Star team. They traded you right after All-Star. Like and it was that was the money. Part it was of, money. They didn't want to get. It was about money. It, it wasn't about my belt. I was man. Look, I said that's I was, the craziest trade. Now you have you had man. two of the craziest tra- <laughs> trades hey, in hey, history. Now when they made that trade, we was leading the Eastern Conference. We yeah, were yeah, leading yeah. in first place. In first place. They the yeah. only team in history to do that. Yeah, I mean, the only team in history to be in first place and trade the lead score after All Star break. I thought we mm. won the championship that year. They're the, the only team, team in history to this date to do that, to be in first place and trade their lead they score, lead score yeah. after the All-Star yeah. break. That's never it happened. It's all about money. That's crazy. You know, and I'm going to tell you, the franchise suffered for a long time after that because people was not happy because that was our chance, our one yeah. chance to that hit a blow. Yeah, and uh, man, that was that was a rough one. I mean, it took me a long, long, long time to get over that. Yeah. How crazy was it that you, after that, you went to the Boston Celtics? Right after I left the Clippers. And, like, but how did you have the, that I left the, la- the last playing? game of the season, I remember Sterling came, I mean, actually, our coach came along and he said, you guys don't be upset, but I've been told to take you out after the first five minutes of the game because Sterling wanted to see David Robson keep the scoring title in the West. Because he didn't want Shaquille what? O'Neal mm. to get the scoring title in the East. I remember when he hit 60 or something like he that. He hit 70. He hit 70. He hit 40. So that half. game was fixed. He told y'all that y'all not going to play because he want them Took to. Took us out. And if you go back and watch that game, we didn't play after mm. that. I but, remember Dave Robinson hitting 70. I remember walking off the bench but I don't know the, the end of the game. And I'm like, I'm out. They can't off me enough. I'm I'm, I'm done. You out of there. Backstory on the history. I remember that 70. I remember that being yeah, a game Mark, that yeah, made him. Mark Jackson or Ron Harper. They tell you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Donald Sterling. Windmill dunks. You know, it's a, it's a certain way you windmill God the ball. Godfather of the windmill. You know, <laughs> and if you ain't windmilling it like Dominique, you're not windmilling it well, right. See it right, man. Coming, we call it wiping up. your whole You got some people, they, they, they wind it a little bit. Yeah, arm don't yeah, really, yeah, extend. really extend. Right? You know what I'm saying? Some people jump off one leg yeah. and try to wind it and it really don't extend. That but if you ain't wiping your ass and extending that <laughs> your arm. Your whole entire ass. Hey, man. Listen. <laughs> like me. There ain't no hey, windmill. We ain't no windmill. That's a dunk that. Going off of two feet, yeah, that's what makes it looks dramatic. Yeah, because you get height, and then you're bringing it down to your kneecaps. Yeah. you know, and and you're bringing it around, and I mean you can throw it with the power, the power. You know, Stenio. a lot of guys can't do that at all. Mm-hmm. They can't, you know, get that little chicken wing yeah. a little bit. But, you know, <laughs> that was my first windmill. My first windmill was with chicken, chicken wing. Chicken. I was, yeah, I was scared to the stand. You know, <laughs> and you know, and, and then. The windmill I, I did one time in practice, mm-hmm. and then it kind of stuck with me. It, you know, I used to be a one-footed jumper. Mm-hmm. Really? But when I got in the NBA, man, I remember you against— gather yourself. Yeah, I remember against Milwaukee, and I come baseline, and Bob Lanier covered the rim like this, and I turned, and he was going up. When I came back around, he was coming down, and I was still going up, and I boom! I said, you know what? I'm going to start jumping off two feet because it got more. you have more control, mm-hmm. even if you get hit. Yeah, yeah, you still got control. Take your fall yeah. and then yeah. everything. What, what was what was some of the like? Because like you got you you easily known as one of the top in game dunkers ever mm-hmm. all time. Mm-hmm. Like when you really exploded onto the scene and like like you said like it's I done seen some damn highlights, bro. Mm-hmm. When you twisted, you 
reversing, doing like what? What well, was the response was, like well, when you really burst onto the scene like that? That explosion. It, it was just a tool for intimidation. Exactly. That's all it was to back big guys up to keep them from challenging your shot. Mm. And that's why you always dunked hard. That's why I always dunk. I try to dunk as hard as I can. If you want to put your hand up here, if you want, yeah, <laughs> you know. Kemp told me when I got to the league, Kemp was like, yeah, young fella, keep on dunking hard because they'll stop jumping. They'll start waving at you. They'll start waving. They'll start swiping. (laughs) Waving at you. You know, Um, and when you can do it in traffic, Mm -hmm. you know, Sean Kemp was one of them guys who would do it in traffic. Uh, You look at today's game, Zion. Yeah. Man, yeah, ain't a lot of guys can do it in traffic. Yeah, you know, because I used to get and get one bounce off the the post, <laughs> and I catch you backpedaling. <laughs> you know, that's what people don't understand. You get a guy backpedaling, it's over. It's over. You can't challenge his yeah. shot. You know, you I don't care. Same type of you can't, you can't jump because I don't care what type of shot blocker you are. If I get you backpedaling. I'm mean, gonna really go to the other room. <laughs> you gonna be on that post. You gonna be on CNN that night. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's the thing. It was a, that was a going thing when he said, "Who's gonna be on CNN tonight?" You know, because we. I mean, that's through around the league. You knew somebody was gonna be getting thrown down on, and uh, we had a team full of athletes, man, yeah. with Cliff and Antoine and Doc, Kevin. Yeah. We had a lot of athletes, man. The number twenty one. KG said he wore it because of you. I wore it because of KG. A lot of guys wore it because of all of us. Like, what what did 21 mean to you? Ashley, our, our producer, she was a 21 disciple. <laughs> but, Minnetonka. But, but what, what did uh, 21, uh-huh. the number 21 means to you? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you the reason why I got 21 okay. and what it meant to me. When I when it came to high school, I wanted number six. Mm-hmm. There was no more jerseys left but 21. Mm-hmm. So I had no choice but to take the last number they had. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got 21. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a number I selected. Okay. But that was the last, that was the only number left. And that's what everybody know you. Yeah, yeah, for. right. They, they, and so, 21. yeah, I wanted six. I wanted, I wanted Doc's number. Uh-huh. And um, Coach said, well, Dominic, the only number we had left, because I was a new guy coming in from, yeah. from Baltimore. That was the only number that was left. I could I couldn't yeah. wait for my number to change because you know when, being a big man and you know every team your number got to be fifty four fifty two yeah. fifty you know yeah. you got to have them big man mm-hmm. numbers and then when I traded school well, I ain't traded school I school closed they asked me what was my jersey number I was so proud to say twenty one <laughs> <laughs> twenty one be my number yeah. I mean it's a lot of great twenty ones to play a lot this of great twenty one mm-hmm. to get announced to the dream team. To, to play with the dream team after all you done went through over them years and they asked you to play with you. How was that for you and your family? To the dream be? team was great, man, you know, to, you know, compete for your country. It was great. You know, I, I was disappointed on the first dream team because I, I was hurt, so yeah. I didn't get a chance to get selected. Yeah. But the second dream team, man, with Shaq and all those guys, man, we, we, man, we had a hell of a squad. Oh, yeah. We had a squad. Man. So, so, so <laughs> let know? me ask you this, Nick, because uh, D.C., a couple of the guys we done had on from the dream team, too, they claimed that they would have smacked up dream team one. Like, <laughs> how, how do you feel about that? Do you think? It would have been a great game. Okay. They had some monsters on that first one. <laughs> Let me tell hey, you, listen, monsters. monsters. Listen, listen. And I was, oh, I was the elder statesman on Dream Team too. They used to call me Antique Neek. But y'all had monsters on that squad. We had monsters too. We had some monsters too. DC Shaq, a young Shaq. Yeah, DC. Sean Kemp. Kemp. 
Yeah, we had yeah, we had some we we had some guys, man. And our backcourt was pretty good too. He said it would have been a game, ladies and gentlemen. It would have been a game. Keeping, been a good it, game. keeping it copacetic. Yeah. What about how, how did you feel going to Boston? Because you have ever seen yourself going nah, and being a not in a million years, right? Like, what was that like? It, you know, it was fun. I mean, the Boston fans treated me great. We have a great different level of appreciation. Yeah, for them. different level of appreciation because that's some of the most knowledgeable fans in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And so I lived in Boston five years, even after that. Mm-hmm. You know, so how was it I to be it. the person that scored the final point in the le- legendary Boston Garden? I never old, knew that. You know that? You the, I never you knew that. The last you, person you hold the honor of scoring the Celtics' final point at the old Boston Garden no, before it closed that. down in 95. I, I never never knew that. See, Knuckleheads bring them up on game. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's you right there, big yeah. dog. That's you. You got the final appreciate. bucket. Yeah, appreciate you, you, it. You, appreciate. You, you, you a little trivia question yeah, out there yeah. somewhere yeah. in Boston Celtics land. Like, who well, scored you know, the final point in Boston? It's a lot of buckets That's what I'm that, saying. Like, that, that old building. Like, how do, like to know that you, like, you not even supposed to be there, but you got that, like, you know, that's crazy. Well, you know, I look at it like this, you know, if that's the last bucket, you know, it's it's that all them points that you scored in that building and to have the last shot made there, it's a special thing. Like that I said, is. I, you know, I didn't even know that, but, uh, you know, Bird and I, we scored a lot of buckets <laughs> in that building, boy. That's crazy. <laughs> well, he uh, scored more in that building than I did. So, oh yeah. you know. What was the thought process of uh, going to Greece and play? You know, we we have know. we have egos in our head that that like man, I ain't going over. Man, no I, I didn't I didn't want to go to Europe, but they made an offer I couldn't refuse. Yeah. I was like, man, I'm not trying to go over there, man. I don't, I don't care how much y'all pay. I ain't trying to go there. I'm, I'm you know I'm finished my career out in the NBA. Yeah. And they said you hadn't heard the offer yet. I said it don't matter what you offer me. And they said well, can you at least look at the comment? So I went over there. So I kind of said. When y'all want me to come back? <laughs> 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 like uh, I could be here next week. Greece is so one of the nicest, nicest places Greece over there. The players. Uh, how, how was it for? How was your experience? I had a ball. Over? You know, if you know any of the Greek mythology and stuff like that, man. You know, just to go see all mm-hmm. of that type of stuff. But the people, they're the most fanatical fans in the world. Yeah, right. Greek fans are out of control. Yeah, and when it, it's like a war when you're playing against other rival teams. So I played with a team called Panathinaikos and the other big team with Olympiacos, mm-hmm. and they hated each other. Mm-hmm. And so every time we played, you had police squad what and full riot gear. What was that like, your first experience in that rivalry? I was scared to death. I was scared I know to death. I've seen like the soccer stuff, how it's like man, rabbit. Man, I was scared to death because my first game, I'm in the layup line, I'm going in for layup, and uh, they throw coins. I mean, for like three or four minutes, they throwing coin. The coin hit and it cut me over the eye, and I ran to the locker room. I was like, I ain't coming back out. Hell with that. <laughs> yeah. They said, no, no, Dominic, it's okay, it's okay, it's tradition. I'm like, hell with the tradition, man, I'm bleeding, <laughs> you know. Right. And so anyway, I got comfortable, came back out, and um, that's when I said, I'm in a different type of place because you have police – a quad, like good. full ride gear. All we went, and then they had these little shields behind, so it kind of go up and out. Mm-hmm. So when they throw the coins, it sound like really hard rain, you mm-hmm. know. And that was every game, but you, but you got used to it. You won a championship and an MVP over there. Yeah, yeah, in Paris, in my hometown, actually. Straight up. Yeah. How so. dope was the crib they set you up with? Though I heard they had you living large over there, balling. Man, I had, yeah, they had me. I had a house over there. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you see how he looked yeah, over nah. to the side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a four level, all marble, fourteen karat gold railing, kitchen on every floor. Well, you had gold yeah. banisters. Yeah, man, it was it was laid, man. It was. <laughs> man, hold on, it, it, man. Greece, man. I don't care. Greek god, man. They got a Greek god down there, and that's how they treat you. I ain't never heard nobody had no gold fourteen karat gold banisters. Gold banisters. Yeah, yeah. Neek was a Greek god down there. Hey, hey man, Come listen. The house, the house was bad. Yeah. But I felt funny in that house. Mm-hmm. House felt like haunted. It was haunted. It was haunted. You <laughs> <laughs> was up in there with the Greek gods man. or something. Because I'm going to tell you something happened, and I'm not lying, because I had a guy who was my best friend. He went over to stay with me for about a year. And we get home late from one night, and it, felt, felt, it sounded like a party is going on in my basement, you know? God's just party. Man, listen. And I and I said, man, you got somebody here? And he said, no, you got. And so we go downstairs. He said, open the door. I'm like, no, you open the door. And, and you could, it sounded like a concert going on in my basement. Open the door and the music stopped. Mm. I'm like, I'm going back to the States. <laughs> <laughs> Something ain't right with this house. <laughs> Y'all keep the 14 can't go balance yeah, keep all everything that. Else. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it been next door or something. I don't know what it was, man, but we both freaked out, man. But the house was bad. That's so a bad house. How did the San Antonio Spurs get you to come back? Actually, I just wanted to come back. Just to leave. Was, you know, was I wanted to make uh, come back to the NBA. And actually, I got comeback player of the year mm-hmm. um, when I came back. Um, you was the last per- last spur to wear 21 before Duncan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's I want to ask Duncan for a little of that money that he made because I gave up my number for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, I'm going to tell you, Dave, uh, you know, he and David Robinson was great guys. You know, I remember Tim Duncan, they told me, they said, if Neek decided to stay, I'm not going to take 21. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so that's uh, that's respect, man. That, again, when you talk about good guys, he and David Robinson yeah. were the best players. Timmy, uh, man, he always been The best people, good, I know. Yeah, he always been a good guy. Yeah. That was the year they announced the top 50 mm-hmm. greatest players ever. Mm-hmm. And, um, Blasphemous. Which we thought yeah, you posed to make it. But no. how did you feel just, you know, seeing them? Because they're one of my iconic memories. Slighted. Slight, I felt slight because at the time I was seventh all time leading scorer in history. You were still yeah. ahead of MJ at that, at that point, and it was like, oh man, I mean, w- did I do something wrong to somebody or yeah. something? And but one thing I will with the NBA, and I was um, some of the NBA uh, personnel said to me last year, said the seventy fifth, you deserve everything and more that yeah. you're getting because it wasn't done right the first time. Definitely. So. To be a part of 75, man, and like I said, it, it, it's like you're immortalized. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, Denon is one of the greatest yeah. players in the history of this game. Yeah. 75 greatest players. Yeah. I mean, speaks for itself. How was it to be in that room and yeah. that, like, the CEO? I can't even describe it. This, that, that, that energy. Yeah, to see those energy, faces and to be in that presence, and the, the, emotion, the picture. Man, everybody in that room was emotional. That's everybody in there. It was and just dope for me to that. see, mm-hmm. like the people how mm-hmm. everybody, certain everybody mm-hmm. was in awe of each other. It was man. like the gods meeting with each other. Man, that's to be there with Kareem and Dr. J, and then the younger guys like LeBron and you know Carmelo and all those guys. You know, the funny thing is Carmelo and I were standing in the circle, and you know we both from Baltimore, mm-hmm. and he and we happened to be standing with right right beside one another. We like man. It's a long way from Baltimore, ain't it, man? He said, yeah, look how far we've come and yeah. look what we accomplished. I said, yeah, this is a real moment, man. It's, it's, it's a special thing. Some people feel like some people got snubbed on this one, just like how they felt on the, 
the fifty. Oh, do yeah, you feel like the process should be a little bit different? They should ask more players, and more players should make that decision of the next twenty-five to yeah, come in yeah. instead of it being writers. Because I'm with you. Like nothing against a writer or people who speak them on basketball and all that stuff, but it's a different type of feel when you have a player, players of errors, players when, of this, and played when, against when that player. You have a guy like David Thompson. Yeah, not a part of that. Yeah, something wrong. That. I mean, again, you're talking about people don't know how good this guy was. Mm -hmm. It's it's crazy. That yeah. goes crazy. back to what you said. Like you said, yeah. like when we were talking about the Kobe thing, mm -hmm. people that played against him know. People yeah, they know. That, and it's like it's unfortunate that, you know, because that person deserves that. I felt mm -hmm. like that about as a teammate of Dwight. Mm -hmm. No way, no way, shape, form, fashion, he wasn't supposed to be in the top 75. Like, knock it off. I don't care who say what. Like, I know yeah. firsthand playing against Defensive him and playing player, with him. What he what he, he shut shit down for six to seven straight yeah. years. He yeah. dominated. Yeah. Like, yeah. come on, man. Oh, well, believe it, I know how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know how you feel. Trust me. Yeah. I Real talk. I mean, you look at Clay Thompson. Yeah, Clay, mm -hmm. man, come on, man. Championships and all like that. Yeah. That's one yeah. thing you can say, by the way. He ain't getting up. Well, he got a title at the end of the lake. But, like, Clay titles multiple times. Like, stop playing with him, man. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Playing with the Spurs, and then you decide to go back overseas. Mm. Like, you had so much fun the last time you decided to go back overseas. Again, made me off. I couldn't refuse, you know. <laughs> man, hey. Again, I had a nice place over there, too, boy. For, I mean, they took care of me. I mean, one thing about if you're a great player coming from the United States going to Europe, they they take care of the yeah. US players. We had a chance to win over there as well, but I got hurt. Yeah. We came up short, but it was a nice it was a nice so experience. So when I'm saying these the Greece and then San Antonio, then going overseas again and then coming back to Orlando Magic, was them them years that you was like, Man, I love this, I wanna do it, but I'm I'm just moving yeah. with cause I don't really wanna let it go. Cause you know, with some guys at the end of their career like, I feel like I, I, I spent two years that I shouldn't spent at the end that I should have just started concentrating on life after basketball. Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying? If I had to do it over again, I don't know if I would have went Yeah, because I loved the NBA that much. And those two extra years gave me 17 years total yeah. in the NBA. And Push you further up the scoring charts, too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But it was a time that... You know, change was needed, and so that's what I did. How dope was it to get to come back to Orlando and play with your bro? Just even, you know, even yeah. if it was in a in a lesser capacity, because well, it I was like right at the end. I wanted to play one year with him, mm -hmm. and to say we played together. It was special to see how hard he worked because mm -hmm. here's a kid I thought at the time should have been a first round, maybe a low first round pick, mm -hmm. but he was the last person picking second round, and I said to him. So I said, so it's cool, it's okay. Now you got to do it the hard way. Yeah. I said, now you got to represent the name that's on your back. Mm -hmm. I said, you come out there and work hard, you know, you'll make it, you'll be there. And, you know, Gerald was one of the kind of guys, he was a go-getter. Mm -hmm. And so he, he played 14 years. Yeah, great so, year. Yeah. And he was he was key to them, them Cavs teams and, and, you know what I'm saying? He, yeah, when his main run, I think, was in New York teams. New York, play, yeah. Yeah, man, they were – they were hard-nosed, man. They were good team. And, you know, Gerald was one of those guys, he was workman-like, so he going to defend, get out in the break, good passer. So he went to the right team. Yeah. You know? This is something that I, I'm not even sure if you're aware of, but how was it to know that you one of 10 players that averaged 25 points in 10 consecutive seasons? And I'm going to tell you the other players that's with you on this list. Oh, it's, it's great. And I know some Jerry West, MJ, Carl Malone, Shaq, Iverson, LeBron, and KD. 
and then the antique Neek. Yeah, yeah, thank man. Don't be telling everybody. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, that I mean that's a hell of a group right there, man. Yeah, tell you, and if you look at that too, how efficient those guys were. Mm-hmm. All of us, we 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 play with efficiency. The one thing that you always say, D, you always talk about like having a, you know, to have a nickname is cool and this, that, and third. To be known as the human highlight reel, like that in itself is like one of the dopest nicknames just by meaning the way it sounds uh, and everything. Like when did that first uh, come about? When did you first I hear that? I got that name in 11th grade. Most people think I got in the pros. Oh, I definitely thought you got it in the no, pros. in 11th grade, and it was at a five-star basketball camp with, at the time, Howard Garfinkel, who was okay. the big camp uh, the director guru. then. And I got it in the All-Star game. I scored 41 in the All-Star game, and they couldn't tell how I was going. It was unorthodox. They said, you know what? We're just going to call him a human highlight film, and I hated the name. <laughs> but as I got older, I said, hold up, wait a minute. I can make a little money off this name. So <laughs> it stuck. <laughs> so that's how it came about. I like that. So if you had, uh, out of all of the teams that you done played with in the NBA, if you had four other players to make a five, who would be them four other players or teammates that you had in the NBA that you would make you complete your five? Uh, Add with you. That's hard because you, I would have to have several fives. You know, if you <laughs> you look at today's game, you look at back when I played. But if I just strictly speak, uh, four stick more with um, back when I played, MJ. Mm-hmm. Magic, mm. man, Kareem, mm. and power forward at that time, I, which you can go with one of you can go with Akeem or Carl Malone. Mm. I mean, so Magic, yeah. Jordan, you, Carl Malone, we'll say Carl Malone, and Kareem. Mm. Damn. Yeah. That's a five. Yeah. That's a five. That's a five. That's five. And like, uh, and the only reason why you don't hear like a Dr. J or a Bird or because we play the same position. Yeah. So be a conflict of interest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, let me ask you this: start bench trade. You got to start one. You got to bench one. You got to trade one. T Mac, Kevin Durant, Larry Bird. If I had to trade, if you had to start one, you have to bench one. You got to trade one. Bench one. Well, you ain't benching Kevin Durant. <laughs> you ain't benching him. <laughs> yes, for sure. And you said Bird? Bird and T-Mac. You ain't benching him either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so unfortunately, you got to take the lesser now of three evils instead of two. And, you know, somebody going to always get left out. Yeah, somebody always yeah, do. So. But Who, them two, you, them, you two, trade them two, you going to trade Bird? You gonna trade? You gonna trade Kevin? Know. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ain't doing you got that. Three of them. What's your decision? Which one you gonna get rid of? Well, you know, again, somebody is gonna get left, or somebody has to go. Fortunately, it's gonna be T Mac, yeah. and I think he's wonderful, mm, wonderful yeah. player. But look at that established guys of what they've done through their careers, man. Yeah, it's your team, though, so it's what you want. Tell me this: <laughs> It's a two-part question. Yeah. Is it true? 
that you was on the cover of, of a hairstyle and hairdo box? Yeah. And if so, I, I mean, yeah. I, I know that, but you know, I'm saying I got a feeling Pro-line. I know how it happened because you was in the A. Pro- yeah. I didn't been to A. Like, the first time I came, no, not fact, what, Atlanta, Exactly. Atlanta and Houston, known for them. When I remember when I was in yeah. college, DePaul went to play University of Houston. Mm-hmm. They was having a hair show in our hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I know, like, you you came up in that culture. Is that how that all happened? Yeah. You being in, you being a fixture in Atlanta yeah. and somebody came at you like, hey, man, yeah. you got good hair. I Wanna, you no, at the hair show how I got involved. You did the hair show. I did the hair so show. So time out, because first of all, if y'all don't know, Neek one of the flyest OGs mm, there is. He yeah. be suited and booted. So I know they <laughs> came. You had the little juice. You know, you had the little soul glow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> before, before all that, you know. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, man, Proline came to me and they, they found this beautiful girl to put on the box with me. Mm. And uh, we had these teal. Outfit. I had a teal right. suit on. She had a teal dress. You know, me and them that angle. Mm-hmm. You know, hair's whipped, little boy. I look at that, I'm like, man, how did I let this <laughs> I remember just going in the yeah. beauty supply store and I could yeah. see you on the box. Hey, like, listen, man, my man had a whole supply. I could have hooked you up. Yeah. <laughs> she had a line of products. Oh, man, yeah, we had, yeah. But that was the times we lived. It was fun, man. But, man, those hair shows was off the chain. Man, it was, it was That's great. what I'm telling you. When I yeah. went to the one in Houston, I was like, wait a minute. I didn't think I'm interested in that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of man. people frequented in things yeah. and participating, you know. Yeah. Them shows was different, bro. All right. So, this was, you know, you come from home beginnings, Baltimore to, to North Carolina, living with your coach, you know. So, I want to know. I don't want to hear no stories about we all took care of Pops or Mom and got him a house. So, I want to know when Neat got the bag and you got comfortable with your money, what it, what it, Young Neek dude, that you look back on like that was probably crazy, but you loved every moment of it when you was doing it when you was a youngin. Uh, you know, big purchase outside of mom, you know, for myself. Yeah, I bought a turbo diesel Mercedes. Mm. See, that's what I'm talking hey, about. Hey, that what thing sound like a truck. Mm. <laughs> sound like an airplane. You just throw it up an airplane. Yeah. It's ready to it go. Was burgundy. And and beige interior. Oh, it was hot, man. That thing would fly. But you know, I look back and I like, man, <laughs> that, that damn diesel thing. Gas. That damn thing. Yeah, burn up a diesel. <laughs> burn up the gas. Man, you know, for it. Hundred twenty. Yeah, 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 you yeah it up. Like, I said, you know, after that first, said, this ain't gonna work. <laughs> you know, I, I traded that thing the next year. But uh, for us as young men. That's when you know you arrived. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're able to make a purchase like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. you. Wouldn't yeah. that regular yeah. purchase? But. Uh, yeah, that was, that was the, you know, and I had myself a little small apartment because I didn't want much back mm-hmm. then, you know, because I was concentrating on basketball. And so what I got from my mom, that was totally different from, you know, what, what I got, got for myself. Because as yeah. long as she was good, I was good. Yeah, that's how I was. I love when an organization have the greats back in the organization, whether it's commentating, working, being in the front office or whatever. Since day one that we came into the league, we always seen you. You always were known as a hawk. Mm-hmm. I always knew when I come to Atlanta or if we play Atlanta, we're going to make sure we go and speak mm-hmm. to Nick and make sure we show our respect mm-hmm. and pay our respect. So I love always when the organization do that. What it means to you to be still be in the oh, organization man. that you fell in love with, the city that you fell in love with, and how you there 20, 30 years now after and still making an impact on that organization. That man, it's, it's a wonderful feeling. And, you know, first of all, you stand relevant. Mm-hmm. still stay relevant, but more importantly, it's showing the appreciation of what you've done in that franchise. And between franchise and the city has treated me 
better than I could have ever expected. So to be a, still a part, and without new ownership and Tony Wrestler and our ownership group, that's wonderful people and just embrace me like I'm part of their family. Yeah, that's dope. I want to, uh, one thing I do want to talk about, I want to talk about uh, your daughters. The, mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to pronounce it wrong. The Spina Bona? Spina Bifida. Spina my, Bifida. My, my youngest the, uh, daughter. Yeah, it's, it's a tongue tie, I mean. It's, it's, yeah, it's, right, it's, right. I want yeah. you to. Spina uh, Bifida. But I want to, uh, you to just kind of give some type of awareness yeah. to people who might. You know, well, my youngest daughter had, you know, since birth, she's dealt with spinal bifida. And what spinal bifida is, it's kind of a lesion in your back where it's an opening in your back where fluids get in and it does damage to your organs. And so she had a surgery that was in utero surgery that was a surgery that repaired that lesion in mm -hmm. the back to close it up. But unfortunately, it's already done damage on your lower extremity. So she's wheelchair bound. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's been through 27 surgeries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's 14, 14 how, how, how did you, like, how did y'all kind of find out? It's just ultrasound shows it. Shows so you, it, you yeah. might not even know. You might just be walking around. And we just and stuff this, and when they did ultrasound, we saw how her back was, the bone in the back was mm -hmm. outward instead of even. And it says, we, we got a problem. So I had to go into a study for three months at Vanderbilt. We had to stay in Vanderbilt for three months until mm -hmm. she was delivered. Because there were only three hospitals in the world that did that type of surgery. Yeah. And we had to qualify in the study. But it just made me more aware of how we had to find different options for her to thrive in life. Mm -hmm. And she's independent, man. She's done it all. She's played wheelchair she basketball. You know, I already know. You know, she was, they were number two, number three in the country. And wheelchair basketball. I yeah. told my I told my son. I said, you know, your little sister been played national basketball. You haven't even been out of state yet. Right. So, so right. they had to rub it into him. But so I do a lot with spina bifida. I do a lot of stuff with um, autism. So mm -hmm. I'm chairman of uh, the board of a charity called Culture City that deals with uh, hidden disabilities, visible disabilities. So we our whole campaign is not leaving anybody behind yeah. you know everybody uh lives matter yeah so yeah and i want to shout out uh damien wilkins my that's my era you know i played against hey, man, wilkins in my era came Wilk, up playing man. AU ball that's my I guy he worked Wilk. for the nbpa now boy i'm I shout make out me D, feel old. Wilk. boy make me feel old <laughs> that's the nephew you know what i'm saying yeah now <laughs> he's retired too i'm like man yeah. i've been around a long time all right, this has been unbelievable, man. We sitting here with a legend, with a somebody we looked up to, man. We appreciate Human highlight. You. I appreciate you highlight you know, field film Real twenty one. chopping it up with us, man. It's Dominique Wilkins, y'all. Man, I'm I'm just human now. Highlight's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is good. Oh, I appreciate it, man. I want to thank y'all for your continued support of the Knuckleheads Podcast. Be sure to give us two taps by writing a review and rating five stars wherever you get your podcast. And make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can also watch all the episodes on the Players Tribune YouTube page. Follow us on social media at Knuckleheads Podcast. And join our Knuckleheads Facebook group for exclusive content. Thanks again to all of our guests and fans. This wouldn't be possible without y'all. Players Tribune.com